Good morning, brothers and sisters. So we're now at the second Sunday of Lent. You've had enough time to get settled into your Lenten penance, so I'm not saying it's easier, but you should be getting used to it by now, or at least if you've been failing a lot, you realize, okay, you need to change up what you're trying to do and, and reevaluate. But on this second Sunday of Lent, we are given this beautiful, miraculous event that happened in the life of Christ and in the apostles. Jesus takes Peter, James, and John up the mountain to pray, and he is transfigured before them. His skin begins to glow, and his clothing become white. So Jesus is revealing his glory to these chosen apostles. And obviously, it's an incredibly beautiful event, and, and we'd love to hear it read and to talk about it. But why was it chosen by the church to be read during the season of Lent? Like why is it this time of all times to receive kind of this glorious gospel? Because Lent is not really a glorious time, right? It's a penitential time. It's a time to prepare for the cross of Christ, to draw closer to him through penance and reconciliation. So what is the reason for this gift of the gospel during this holy season? If you understand the reason why Jesus revealed himself in this way to the apostles, it'll make perfect sense. You see, just before the transfiguration, our Lord was explaining to his apostles how it was the responsibility of the Christ to go to Jerusalem, to suffer, and to die, and then three days later to rise. So he's preparing his apostles for his crucifixion. He's getting them ready for it. So he's been talking to them about the crucifixion. If you remember any of the times in which you've recalled the Gospels on that point, the apostles really didn't understand it. They, they couldn't really fathom the idea that Jesus, who they believed was truly the Messiah, the Christ, the Son of the living God, could die. They just didn't understand it. And so no matter how much he told them, it just didn't sink in. So also in this same theme, he chooses three of them, Peter, James, and John, and he takes them alone up this high mountain to pray, and it's here where he is transfigured before them. It is for the same reason that he reveals his glory to these apostles. It's to prepare them for his passion. The scriptures talk about the cross of Jesus Christ as a great scandal. They call it the scandal of the cross. And if you think about it, it, it is a scandal. Here you have the begotten son of the living God, tortured and murdered in the most heinous of ways. That is truly scandalous. It's not surprising that many people during that time could not accept him as the Messiah because he suffered and died. How could he be the son of God if he suffered and died? This is a difficult message even for the apostles who ran away when he was arrested. So Jesus is trying to get them ready for this mystery, the mystery of the cross, of salvation. He tries to teach them, to educate them, but that's not always enough, is it? So he gives them this miraculous event to strengthen them. In fact, when they were headed back down the mountain, he tells Peter, James, and John not to mention this to anyone. Don't tell the other apostles until I've died. Then you can share with them what you saw. All of the fathers of the church say that the reason the Lord did this was to strengthen the faith of the apostles to endure the scandal of the cross. Basically, it was to help them get through the shock of what was about to happen. You see, Jesus is so loving, 
He understands the weakness of his apostles, and so he wants to prepare them for the cross in the best way he can. So revealing his glory before his suffering will help them get through. Now, if that's true, if that's the reason why Jesus revealed his glory, gave them this miraculous vision to strengthen them in their crosses, why didn't he do it for all of the apostles? I mean, if it helped these three, why didn't he give it to all 12? Doesn't seem to make sense. We have the same question whenever we look at any mystical experience that somebody has had. If they're ever sharing that experience with you, there's always a twinge of maybe jealousy in our hearts at times. I wish Jesus did that for me. That would have helped. I wish, you know, I would have had that kind of experience. That's understandable. So why doesn't our Lord give these experiences to everyone? There are several reasons. The first reason we know on some level is because some of us aren't open to it. We're not in the state of grace in which we can receive such a vision. Our hearts can be hard enough not only to deny the word of God when we hear it, but to even deny a miracle when we see it. That may seem strange, but it is absolutely possible. And so our Lord is not going to perform some type of miraculous revelation if he knows you're not even open to it, if you can't receive what he's offering you. So that is one thing to consider. So one's openness is necessary. I can imagine this is probably why Judas was not invited up the mountain with Peter, James, and John. He didn't believe Jesus was truly the Son of God. He wasn't open. But what about the other apostles? Well, they obviously believed. They clearly had faith. Why weren't they chosen? I mean, were Peter, James, and John holier than the other apostles? I seriously doubt it. Remember, Peter, a few days later, right before Jesus' death, denies him three times to save his own life. So, I'm not saying Peter is a worse sinner than the other apostles, but that's pretty bad. So these men are clearly not necessarily that much holier than the other apostles, if at all. So why were they chosen to receive this revelation and the others were not? Our Lord actually gives us the reason in a different gospel. So this event is recounted in in the gospels in general, but this is just the story from the gospel of Luke today. And in the other gospels, when they were coming down from the mountain, Jesus tells them, share this with your brothers, not now but later, to strengthen them. Jesus gave these three men this gift to give to the other apostles. So this miraculous event was for all of the apostles. It was for all of them. But it was meant to be shared by these three. These three were chosen by Christ, in a sense, as angels. The word angel means messenger. Jesus certainly could have revealed this to all of them. He chose only three to reveal it to the others because he wanted the apostles to learn to be interdependent, to basically need one another in their relationship with Christ. It's a Christian heresy 
that teaches that individual people can have a relationship with Jesus Christ apart from other believers. Like basically, your relationship with Jesus is private. It's just you and Jesus. That's heresy. Jesus clearly acts out and teaches the lesson that we are members of the body of Christ. We together are united in the body of Christ, not separate. In fact, if a cell or a limb is separated from the body, it dies. It dies. So it's actually the unity of the parts that make up the body, the whole. So to facilitate the unity of Christ's body, he doesn't give the same gifts to everyone so that we have to depend upon one another. The other apostles needed Peter, James, and John to tell them about what happened. Now, if just one of them said, well, I saw Jesus do this, well, the others would be like, yeah, okay, right. Sure you did. But if three of them testify to the exact same event, then the others are going to be like, okay, this must have happened. All of them wouldn't lie to us. Remember, Jesus said, where two or three witness to something, I am there in their midst. The beautiful thing about that quote is that's exactly what happened on this mountain. You have the two and the three witnessing to the truth. The two, Moses and Elijah. The three, Peter, James, and John. Moses and Elijah witnessed to the truth because of the past. Moses gave the law. Elijah is considered the greatest of the prophets. So the law and the prophets testify to the truth of Jesus Christ. That's basically the Old Testament. The New Testament, Peter, James, and John. You see the past and the future all testifying to the truth for everyone else. You can look at the stories of Moses and Elijah, and you can also say the same thing about Peter, James, and John. Why did they receive these special relationships with Christ, these blessings, and others did not? It wasn't because they were better than everybody else, because that's just not necessarily true. I mean, maybe they were, but it's probably not true. It was because our Lord wanted to use special instruments so that the body of Christ would be drawn closer together. We would need one another. If our Lord gave all of his disciples the ability to consecrate the Eucharist, then you wouldn't need to come to church on Sunday. You wouldn't need the priest to do anything for you. You could just stay home, have your own little mass at home, and then you're good to go. Wouldn't that make things a lot easier? Especially when they change the clocks an hour forward. But our Lord designed his church in this way, and he has always worked this way throughout history for the sake of the unity of the body. He wants us to be united. Why is this so important to him? Because God himself is a unity of persons. It is his divine nature to be three persons in one divine unity. And since we are made in his image and likeness, the unity of us as people is also necessary for the divine image. It's necessary, not optional. 
So to force us, in a sense, to depend upon one another, our Lord gives certain graces to individuals for the sake of helping out other individuals so that we learn to depend upon one another. Now, ultimately, it's Christ we're depending upon, but we have to do that through one another. So during this time of Lent, in which you're doing your penances, when you're preparing for the cross of Christ, our Lord will be giving you consolations. Absolutely, because he wants to strengthen you for the cross. He doesn't want you to be overly scandalized by the crosses that you have to bear. He's very loving. He's very merciful. He wants to help you. He will send these graces to you. But they might not come directly. In fact, most of the time they will come to you through someone else in your life. It could be me, your pastor. It could be your spouse. It could be your children. Certainly could be your parents. It could be a coworker who just says that one thing at that moment and you know it's the Lord speaking to you. But if you're not humble enough and open enough to listen to whomever the Lord may choose to use, you could actually miss the grace that he's trying to give you, the consolation and strength that you need. I've mentioned this to you before, that oftentimes, especially in marriages, when one of you needs a particular grace, God will give it to the other spouse and not to you directly. On purpose, to force you to go to one another. But it's because of your pride, you will not humble yourself towards your spouse, you lose the grace. You absolutely lose the grace, it's gone. It makes sense that our Lord would do this, not only to bring the couple closer together, but for the sake of personal virtue, especially for husbands and wives. It is incredibly difficult for each of them to humble themselves and listen to the other, equally for men and women. So as you get down on your knees and you pray and you ask for all of these special graces from God to help you through your, throughout your difficulties, as you should do, you need to actually turn to your spouse and say, hey, got any words of wisdom for me? What do you think I should do in this situation? For men, that's very humbling for us to do that with our wives, but it's true, we need to. For women, it's actually more difficult <laughs> on some level. But if we're not open to the Lord using others in our life to minister to us, then more often than not, we will not receive the grace that he is providing. The only way you can get the Eucharist is for me to give it to you. You have no power to have your sins forgiven if I don't hear confessions. Obviously, it would make my job a lot easier if I didn't have to do all this. I sat in that box for four hours yesterday. It was good. I was happy to do it. Honestly, I'd rather be sleeping sometimes. But that, that's just me. That's just me. Sometimes. But this is the nature of the design that Christ has set up for all of our good. All of the gifts that were given to me, especially to affect the sacraments, were not for me. They were for you. Therefore, I am blessed when I use these gifts for you. If I just kind of keep them to myself and say, ha ha, I'm, I'm more special than you. I received these graces and you didn't. Ha 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 ha, I'm, that means I'm better than you. That's, that's crazy. 
That's not true at all. But in like manner, as a spouse, especially, or anyone, if the Lord has given you a special grace, and you, in pride, think you're better than others because you got it, that's very dangerous. Very dangerous. It's very possible the only reason our Lord gave it to you was because somebody else needed it. And if in your pride and arrogance you use it to bolster your own glory, your own self-worth, the Lord will probably stop using you. So I encourage you during the rest of this time of Lent to look a little more closely, to listen a little more humbly to those the Lord has placed in your life, to listen for these gifts, these graces, these consolations that Jesus wants to offer to you, to strengthen you in your crosses, and to help you endure the passion. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit.